0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: A party over here, a party over there. waving hands in the air, take the dairy yeah. These three words can you get in bed? whoop, it is, Man.
0: another edition of Late Night Hoops everybody on College Hoops Digest Radio. John Santa here with you and it's hard to believe that we are just over a week away from the start of college basketball. Incredible. The road is about to begin and I start tonight's show right from the get-go with a team that you need to know about going into college basketball season that likely I would think you don't know a lot about but that's what we're here to do we're here to get you into the classroom a little bit and educate you on a team that going into the season you don't know much about but I think can make noise in March we'll open every show with this segment it's called JF's team and tonight my team is The squad that you know for the blue turf in football, in basketball, get ready. Boise State is in for a really good year, in my eyes. Four points in the Associated Press Top 25 poll. They received both, 19 spots outside of being ranked. They received 22 points before the 2013-14 season. This program has been on the rise. They've scheduled tough entering this year. They will face Arizona. They will go and visit the Wildcats. They will take on Oregon in Boise on December the 12th. That's a big time get for them. Boise State is my team to watch. Why? Well, they are experienced. Now, they've got a battle in the Mountain West with Steve Fisher and San Diego State and that's a program that under Steve Fisher has really flourished. He has brought them to a great level. But this Boise State team, what intrigues me about them is the fact that they've got length. they got a small forward named Anthony Drummick, who averages 15 a game, five rebounds per game, nearly two assists per game. He is a leader. Six foot six can do a lot for you. And I think that this kid is in for a big year. On top of that, and I'm not saying, because I look at this team, they've got a power forward named James Webb, who's a player you need to remember. James Webb Third. This kid is good enough between Dermick and, and Webb. They'll not only be one of the most dynamic duos in the league, but one of the most underrated duos in the country in my eyes. That's right. I said it. James Webb the third, the forward, really big time kid, averages in double figures, uh, knows how to get it done in the rebounding department, and I love what he presents. It's a kid that averaged seven point nine boards a game last year. He's a sophomore, he's standing at six foot eight. I mean to tell you. Big time asset for them. Big time asset. You average eleven and eight, six foot eight. In your freshman season last year. Watch out for this sophomore. Watch out for this kid. Boise State, just outside the top twenty-five. I do think they challenge San Diego State in the Mountain West. With uh, Steve Fisher's program, has been known to do great things in the Mountain West. They've done some fantastic work of being the top of that conference. And most of it is because they dominated home. They were 16-1 and one at home last year. John Fancy here with you on Late Night Hoops. We're going to welcome in Reed Foregrave of Fox Sports in just a second. But that's what we're here to do. We talked about the teams that you know about earlier this week. But I suggest in mind that the Boise State Broncos San Diego stays at the top of the Mountain West. I do think Boise State pushes them. I really do. Between the small forward, power forward duo of Dermic as well as Webb third, That right there is over 20 points per game, nearly 15 boards per game. There's potential there for quite a duo. A scoring duo as well. It's a Boise State squad that did a really good job of balancing things out last year, and they are second in the Mountain West, and they are a team to watch. More than that blue turf out there in Boise. And I welcome in now a guy who covers college basketball all across the country. We always thank him for giving us some time. It is Reed Forgrave. Reed, I cannot believe it. I remember we talked right before the National Championship game, and wouldn't you know it, now we're just outside a week from tipping another season off. How are you, buddy? Man, hey, you treat me like a cheap whore. You only, you never
1: call. You never write. Where you been all my life, brother? <laughs> we haven't I, talked in a I little actually, while, but that, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, college, I know. Hoops, college hoops, is coming. College hoops is here. I, I, I'm, I'm always thrilled when that's the case. Like it's a, it's just a fun time of the season where I'm. You know, I I've been on the road I think 6 or 7 weeks in a row. I actually just went to an exhibition game at Michigan. Uh where I watched those guys and they look I think it's a more talented team than a year ago, but this is this is always a really really fun time of year for me and really for any college basketball fan, especially the guys who are who are nuts about it. You know, it's the amateur hour once it's uh once this March madness comes around, but right now it's for the hardcore guys.
0: Reed Forgrave is our guest from Fox Sports. Reed, we will go with the lead story of the day in the college basketball world. Your reaction to Marcus Page being out three to four weeks, he will miss
1: that amount of time for North Carolina, the top ranked right team in the country. I, I actually have, to have quite the hot take here. It really, really, really sucks. Like, I love Marcus Page. He is a fun basketball player to watch. He is a great, great kid. Like, one of the smartest players in college basketball. And to see it two years in a row, have him have another injury at the beginning of the season, you just hope that it's something that takes a month off his senior year and by the time he comes back, he's fully healed. Because you get the sense that last year his injuries were just nagging him the entire season. Uh, look, is number one in the country with Marcus Page on the bench. They're not number one in the country. They're I don't know, maybe number ten in the country. Uh, it's a very, very different team. Even though they're deep and balanced, uh, it's a very different team when you rip out their heart and soul. So let's hope that he doesn't get rushed back. Um, honestly, I'd rather I'd rather they wait until ACC play to bring him back in, instead of rushing him because they're going to really need that guy come March. So uh, it's it is a bummer because he is one of the good guys. And one of the guys he can't help but root for. Um, so, such a it's just crappy news to hear. We would see
0: Reed for grave our guest from Fox Sports and Paige fracturing the third metacarpal on his right non-shooting hand, He's missing three to four weeks of time. But I extend upon this, and it's a question I've been asking a lot of the guests that we've had on the show, Reed. Do you feel like now obviously there's pressure? but is there an extra amount of pressure on Roy Williams to win this year, to get it done on the big stage, to get this team the final four? I felt like last year, Reed, uh, Roy Williams got a lot of hate for not being able to do more with that Carolina team at times.
1: He did. I I didn't think that team was uh, as talented as a lot of people did think. Uh, And I know it's, A very similar team from last year, but with Justin Jackson, that's a guy who really needed just some body maturity. He was such a skinny player. Um, So with an extra year of experience, I do think this team is set for this year. Let me throw something else into the mix as far as extra pressure on Roy and on the team. With this NCAA investigation moving, you never know with the NCAA how these things are going to go. Are they going to come down with the hammer? are they gonna come down with a slap on the wrist? Uh no one has any idea until it comes out. But it strikes me, this whole case, uh whether it is coming down on the university itself or the basketball program, uh, that it this very much hits that the heart of amateurs. Uh so this could be an enormous penalty. This might be their last chance to really buy for a national title in a while. So I to me that's where I take the pressure lies. is having this shadow over their entire season, not knowing what the future is going to hold, saying, hey, our time needs to be now.
0: Yeah, and I thought that that group last year was overrated in a lot of ways. Uh, So I am with you completely on that. It'll be intriguing to see. Uh, It's hard to take that potentially that December 1st showdown with Maryland could now Uh, Definitely the hype could be hampered a little bit by not having a page, but I agree with you on waiting and making sure that he's fully healthy because this can be a national championship team if he is at 100%. Uh, Let's turn, since we were, and I want to go out west in just a little bit, but first I'll turn to the Big Ten. Still, uh, every time I look at Maryland, you want to think ACC, and then you remember Big Ten. Uh, I know, I know, I'm still the same
1: way, man. It messes my head. Yeah,
0: I still, and, and you know what? We cover this sport every single day, and I still just get just kind of faked out when I see that. But you saw Michigan State tonight. How was Denzel Valentine? How's this team looking?
1: Uh, I think they're more talented than a year ago. Uh, remember, you're adding Aaron Harris, uh, the West Virginia transfer. This is a – big time scorer uh, to a team that struggled uh, shooting, especially shooting free throws last year. Uh, Aaron Harris is going to be a spark plug for this team. Denzel Valentine looks great. Uh, Javon Beth is healthy. Uh, I mean, look, Travis Trice, losing him is a really big deal. I think a much bigger deal than losing Brandon Dawson. Uh, Trice was absolutely nailed uh, during that NCAA tournament. But tell you what, uh, an extra year of experience for Tum Tum Nairn, the best name in college basketball, (laughs) Uh, an extra year of experience for Denzel Valentine, who when you you look at his accomplishments over the first three years, uh, he's going to go down with a serious legacy at at a school where it's difficult to kind of get on those leaderboards. He is going to be right up there for most wins. Uh, I think if they win 30 or 31 games, his class will be the winningest class in Michigan State history. Think about that for a minute. Um, so these these guys are tough. I mean, if you look at the Big Ten, Maryland, obviously the most talented, but Michigan State, Indiana is an intriguing team. Purdue, maybe a little bit under the radar, but that might be the best front line in all of college basketball. I know I'm missing one or two other ones in there, but that is a that's a tough conference. I think Nebraska is going to make a bit of a comeback. For disappointing season last year i think I hear murmurs about been... northwestern reed i just i, I just finished a, a column right writing a, that northwestern is going to make its first ever ncaa tournament so it's going to be a bloodbath from the big 10
0: reed foregrave our guest and, and just think in all those teams that we just talked about you didn't even we never even touched the surface with the guy named Pat mata with then John oh Beeline, with then Bo Ryan. I mean, come on. Uh, I know, I know, again. right? I'm, I'm
1: oh, not saying man, Northwestern because Bo, more than Bo Ryan. It's been a long day, man. It's been a long day. Forgive me.
0: Oh, but still, you go for – what What was that? What did you say?
1: It's a, it's an absolutely stacked conference. Uh, oh, my Michigan. Goodness. I think Ohio State's going to be going to struggle this year. They're really young. I think they have like yeah. one junior. That's their only upperclassman. Uh, but, yeah, I think always gets talent. Um, I think Michigan's going to have a comeback season. I mean, well, you look at that, and you're like, eight Big Ten teams in the tournament? Like, that's entirely realistic uh, this year. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a really, really fun uh, Big Ten season. You can turn the same for the Big 12, which is a little bit more top-heavy uh, than the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten has a little more depth. Uh, but the Big 12, I mean, you got, I think, five top 25 teams, uh, and that's not not even including Texas, which is super talented, and we'll get to see what, what Chaka can do with that bet around. So, middle of the country, man. It's where it's at.
0: Yeah, and three real teams in the Big 12 to contend for the title. This is a year where Kansas is on the same level in my mind as Iowa State. I know there's a new coach there, but on top of that as well, you've got an Oklahoma team with Buddy Heald that could really be a Final Four contender in my
1: I would put, you know, a lot of people disagree with me with me on this. I would rank it Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma, third. Um, because to me, Buddy Heald, he's great. He, but he can sometimes be a little bit one-dimensional as a player. Um, kind of always looking for the shot-up shot. Um, and then also, uh, let's not discount what losing Tayshon Thomas is going to mean to that team. That guy was a absolute force a total man uh in the post uh but yeah they're absolutely going to be really good uh iowa state look i picked them to go far last year and that kind of kicked me in the tail uh this year i I look at them and i'm like monte morris may be the most criminally underrated point guard in the entire country george niang is the most unique player in the country jamel mckay is a Know, top five, top ten defensive player in all his, all his college basketball. That's a three-headed monster, and around that they have a lot of nice pieces. So Iowa State is is once again really, really intriguing, and they're actually going to. I've heard rumors are they're going to actually play some defense this year, so it could be a, kind of a new look Iowa State. Funny that you say that because the Bulls are looking for
0: that defense right now, and
1: yes, uh, I kind
0: of, I kind of wonder why. I promised the fans the Pac-12 that, that we would dig into that a little bit. I'll tell you what. Look, I, I know that Arizona lost a lot of talent. But, man, oh, man, Sean Miller, I always want to do this, and I don't think enough people want to do it. This man needs to be pushed. He really needs to start to be considered at least. But he's on my Mount Everest of coaches right now in the country.
1: Well, he's done yeah, everything. brother, I, I, I'm 100% with you. I'm 100% with you. I uh, when Cal Perry was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, I did a list of ten coaches. You know, the next ten college coaches to be inducted yeah. into the Hall of Fame, and Archie, I'm sorry, uh, Sean was on that list, and I actually put Dark Horse Sleeper, his brother Archie, because I think Archie is a big time coach. You look at what he did with a you know a, a Dayton team last year that was just held together by strings. Uh no doubt. So those guys are both I mean there's the they have the lineage. Their 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 father was a big-time high school coach in western Pennsylvania right near where I grew up actually. Um but yeah, Sean Miller, I think this is going to be I mean, look, they don't what's the saying? They don't rebuild, they reload. Uh it's uh, very true at Kentucky, but it, it, it's fairly true at Arizona this year. It's going to be a, a a bit of a step back uh from the past few years I I do think because they they have a lot of freshmen who are who are unproven and, and the Pac-12 there are a lot of uh, very good but not great teams in that league a lot of question mark teams and I would put Arizona in that mix uh, to me the top of the Pac-12 you could pick five teams that could win that league usually it's Arizona and everyone else uh, this year it's Arizona and UCLA and Utah and not, but Oregon State made a lot of the steps forward last year. USC, yeah. I mean, I'm not putting those in the top tier. USC, I think this is going to be their year to shine. Um, really? But, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. USC, like if you look at them, they well they, they were bad last year. Um, it takes a little bit of projecting, but if you look at their 345th in the country in experience. Uh, they were younger than Kentucky last year. Okay. Um, they have a big-time point guard in Jordan McLaughlin, who was who's thrown to the Wolves last year as a freshman. Uh, but he's going to be a sophomore. He has the Pac-12 experience. They have, I think, the most underrated recruit in the country coming in, a guy named Shimezi Metu, who's a California kid who's like six nine, six ten, phenomenal athlete. Uh, I think they could look. They're not gonna. They're not gonna win the Pac-12, but they might be a sneaky bubble team. Uh, that might surprise you come, come February where they're still kind of hanging around in the bubble.
0: Yeah, being intriguing to see. I think one team I look at is Utah, is how life without the De- DeLon Wright. He was a fantastic yeah. all-around athlete. We'll see. But Caleb Tarzuski is that kid that uh, he's got, like, the Aaron Kraft, John Dibler, uh, the the kid that, wait a minute, he's on the roster again? I mean, that kid is back for <laughs> another year, and he is just a dominant man in the paint.
1: The, the the funny part is he was – I look back at the recruiting rankings from his – and, look, it wasn't a great recruiting class. It was the recruiting class that ended up producing the number one pick of Anthony Bennett. Uh, we all know how that went. Um, but he was, I think, the third-rated player uh, on the ESPN 100 that year behind Nerlands Noel and Isaiah Austin, and I believe Caleb Tarzuski. Uh I like his game, but don't you ultimately – look at his career at least so far and say did not live up to the possibly inflated expectations. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm curious what you think. Well, he,
0: that's a kid that just from day one has, uh, I always was impressed with his length, but now the fact is, is that he has exceeded my original expectations and that he just continues to get better at, uh, he was not as good of a scorer two years ago. He's gotten better in that category. Yeah. He rebounds He rebounds the basketball exceptionally. I mean, you could put him up there with uh, just about anybody. And he's a smart player. And I think that's another thing about Sean Miller's program and the better program yeah. in the country. These guys, and we're going to see it in the first month of the season, and I don't know if you have anything to offer on this, but, Reed, I can tell. And Caleb Tarzuski, I – I think he'll be one of the better ones at doing this because he's got a high basketball IQ, a great motor as well. But these new rules, there's more new rules, Mm. and they're going to take time to take shape. We're going to see a lot of whistles early on. So uh,
1: what what I'm curious of, and I've been thinking about this a lot over the past few months, which type of team does this benefit? Uh, I would think it it would hurt a really – physical basketball team. Those old cutler yeah. teams that made the football game. Really, really physical, especially on the perimeter. Uh, a team like... I'm trying to think of another team last year that was a really physical defensive team. Uh, I mean, Arizona probably would count there. But the teams that would benefit a, a great shooting team like Duke. Duke's going to be a great perimeter team this year. Uh, have some serious shooters coming in uh, in the freshman class. And then,
0: but to you know, a team like Grace Virginia. And Grace
1: and Allen it's going to be interesting to see how that works. I mean, I think Virginia is so well coached and they know their defensive system so well that I think they'll adapt uh, to the freedom of movement rules uh, fairly easily. But uh, a team that, and I'm going to go back to my, to the team that I keep bringing up a team that I think this really could help is a free flowing team like Iowa state. Uh, I think having more freedom of movement with a team that really, you know, one, where the guys have been together for three or four years, um, and two, a team that has such great ball movement, that's so good in transition, that really likes to shoot the ball. Um, To me, this plays in the hand of teams like that. Um, And frankly, probably plays in the hand of a team like UNC, a real run-and-gun, fun, fast uh, team that isn't – they do have some big guys down low, but I don't think they're built on that. If that makes any sense. Uh yeah. built yep. on uh let's get the ball out and let's let's run.
0: Reed Foregrave, our guest from Fox. And read two last questions before I let you go. Everybody's been saying Chris Dunn is the best player in the country. Your player rankings say otherwise. Who was your top player? I don't wanna I don't wanna go ahead and give it away.
1: I want you to give it away and I want you to state your case. I got so much anger from Providence fans that I didn't put Chris Dunn number one. And I'm like, guys, I put him as the number two player in the country. Slow your roll. Chill out. Uh, The guy that I put above him, it just wasn't a surprise, but I honestly believe it. And Fred Van Vliet from Wichita State. uh, First of all, you look at the resume. uh, He had his freshman year, Final Four, his sophomore year, when he was really the engine that made that team run. Uh, That was the team that went undefeated until the NCAA tournament when they ran into Kentucky, and almost, by the way, ran over Kentucky. Uh, And then last year, they make it to the Sweet 16, beating their in-state rival, Kansas, who they never get to play. So the resume is phenomenal. You look at his stats, and they're always really solid. Like He's like 16 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 1 turnover and 3 steals. That's a Fred Van Vliet line. He he fills up that box score. And, and, and look, here's the other thing. You can't put a number or a statistic on what this guy brings the team as far as leadership. That's why they call it intangibles. You can't put a number on it. I think he's the best quarterback in college basketball. I think he's such a heady basketball player. I think he leads and other people follow. And, uh, to me, that's why I think – and, look, Wichita State – Here's another reason. Wichita State, I think, is a borderline top ten team all year. Providence is not. Providence is a maybe bubble team. I think they'll probably make NCAA tournament. They're not going to be a top ten team, no matter how Superman-like Chris Dunn uh, becomes. So it goes back to the. It all goes back to the 1987 Chicago Cubs. You ready for my Chicago Cubs analogy? They finished in last place. Andre Dawson hit 49 home runs. And Andre Dawson won MVP. I don't think he should have won MVP because you can't be the most valuable player of a whole league when you're on a last-place team.
0: Well, I think it's fair in one way. In another way, I do think that Providence is the top six team in the Big East in my mind. But I do think that getting picked – Fifth in league is is a little bit dicey. I, I I don't think that that's a for sure by any means in the Big East Conference with Villanova, with Georgetown, and I think everybody talks about two team race. I I think it's a three team race at to the top. I do think the Butler Bulldogs are that good. Xavier, Providence, and then people are on the Marquette bandwagon. Are you on the Marquette bandwagon?
1: So, well, first of all, and save this clip for March. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna call it a four team race, and I think the dark horse team there is Xavier. I think they're so big, so athletic. Uh, if they figure out their point guard situation with a couple of young guys, uh, Larry, Larry Austin Jr. And Edmund Sumner, who's a really talented six, six point guard, uh, kind of a combo guard. he's a little bit skinny now, but I know Chris Mack really, really likes them. Um, that's a team that I think could surprise people. So I'm, I'm on the bandwagon with all four of those teams, but I think Xavier's one that, no, that nobody's really paying attention to right now. Yeah. Uh, Marquette. Marquette is the most interesting team in the Big East because I think Henry Ellenson, I put him in my top 50 list. I, I want to say I had him around the 25th, 30th best player in college basketball. If anything, that's too low. I think he is going to be a top 10 okay. pick in the NBA draft after his freshman wow. year. Wow. He, he is – I mean, the Kevin Love comparisons are both ridiculous because it's unfair to uh, compare a freshman in college. uh, A guy who just started his freshman year, hasn't played a game yet, to an NBA All Star. Um, But they're also, they, they ring true. That's the type of game that he has.
0: Reed, last question. Right before the season starts, your favorite place to cover a game?
1: Oh, I mean, I, the, the, there's a no doubter, a complete obvious one. I would say top three venue in all of American sports, and that's Cameron Indoor, especially for a game that matters. I was at the UNC game last year. It was, I couldn't hear for three days after it. It just,
0: just, and
1: they put the media right. You're right on the court you got the Cameron crazies rubbing their uh, uh rubbing their sweaty blue paint all over your back. Uh it's amazing. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be a beat writer there and have a deal with that night in, night out, but it's one of the best experiences in college basketball. Um but you know what? Like I really like I'm a Wrigley Field type of guy. I like the historic arenas. And that's why a place like like Butler is it's oh. so special because you walk in there and it's like yeah, there's an aura. Get out the ladder. Measure the you know measure the rims. It's ten feet tall. That's right. Uh, yeah. It's just something. It's a place that's really really special. So I would take a place like that. A place like my new hometown. I moved to Minneapolis over the summer. The barn right. at the University of Minnesota is phenomenal. I love Villanova's when they're not playing uh, at the I can't even remember what it's called. Wachovia Center. Well, Fargo, Fargo when Fargo they're at Center, the Pavilion. It is yeah. Um, love the Pavilion. When they, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So those are those are the places I much much prefer.
0: You can find Reed Forgrave. He is at Reed Forgrave on Twitter, and he will be all over Fox Sports college basketball coverage. Reed can't wait to continually catch up with you throughout the season. I I, I don't think we'll be strangers here in the next few months. All right, brother. I look forward to it. Reed, thank you so much. For Reed Foregrave, I am John Fanta. This has been Late Night Hoops. The pleasure to have the great Reed Foregrave on the show. We will be back later on. It should be at the beginning of next week. You'll catch the next Late Night Hoop. This four-part series previewing the season rolls on on College Hoops Digest Radio. Good night, everybody.